are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5GUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 413 of Linux in the Hamshack the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet and tonight is the weekender and i actually spent a couple of seconds to figure out which weekender this is and it's number 72 so 72nd edition of the weekender so before we dive into amateur radio events and amateur radio contests coming up open source events and all kinds of other things that might be of interest to amateurs around the world and of course our slide later on into hedonism before we get to all that let's introduce ourselves i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill ne4rd and where we start is amateur radio contests we start there every time we do a weekender and we've done that 72 times now or almost 71 and a half i guess we're, we're working on number 72 <laughs> and uh i'm going to steal bill's line this time because uh I'm going to introduce you and say you start off every time with the Amateur Radio Contest from ContestCalendar.com, the most incredible ContestCalendar.com on the internet. So, <laughs> Absolutely. What do we got? <laughs> what do we got? Well, this weekend we have a, a big one here for the Ute. We have uh, the Youth on the Air Contest, and this one runs from 0800 Zulu to 1959 Zulu on May 22nd. Bands there are 80 through 10, no work. Modes are single sideband and CW. And what is it? Of course, it's the IARU or IRU or IARU <laughs> region one <laughs> youth working group coordinating, uh, cooperating with the uh, MRASZ or MRAZ, <laughs> sure, uh, Hungarian Amateur Radio Society for increasing youngsters' activity on the air, strengthening the reputation of the Yoda program and demonstration of support for youngsters across the world. So it's a great opportunity to get on the air with some youth. Uh, you get extra points if you're youth. And don't <laughs> so, be don't be dissing on Mraz because... Mraz. Jason Mraz? Yeah, because yeah, he's the <laughs> most... He is probably the number one musical avocado farmer in the world. <laughs> avocado farmer <laughs> <laughs> well he is awesome <laughs> yeah he does a, a wonderful rendition of rocket man live that was you can find on the interwebs it's really good anyway so also this weekend of course we all know it's a it's a sad state of affair when my phone popped up and said hey four years ago you were at hamvention <laughs> wouldn't it, and, wouldn't it uh, have been three well, the, the one that popped up was the four-year one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some reason it highlighted the fourth, <laughs> four-year one. So, yeah, it was a 2018. Um, but, uh, or, yeah, I guess 2018, yeah, I'll be that. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Hamvention QSO Party. Uh, and, of course, anytime it's mentioned here, it's it's because it's a contest and you can earn points. So this is operating from uh, 1,200 Zulu to 2,400 Zulu, May 22nd. Bands there are also 80 meters through 10 meters. Uh, no work. Single sideband and CW. So I'm assuming there's going to be maybe a little cross pollinization here, but uh, you'll have to check to see if you can submit logs uh, against both. Um, and of course, they want you to send CQ, CQ, 
HVQP. So Hamvention QSO Party. Your call sign, a typical exchange, will be the signal report and the first year you attended Hamvention. And if you can't remember, just make one up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so and they want the full four-year number. So uh, so example on CW, you're going to send KB88XXXX599-1998 uh, with the other person's call sign uh, or your call sign. I can't remember how that works. Um, but anyway... Uh, you get the idea. You have, if you have never attended a hamvention, please send 2021 in place of the year. So there you go. If you've never been, go ahead and use 2021 as the year that you uh, you have attended the virtual hamvention. And uh, of course, the links to that are in the show notes. Uh, also, uh, the state QSO party challenge and work talk QSO parties. There are none this weekend, so uh, you do not have to worry about turning your radio on for those if you're uh, if you're only participating in that event. Uh, let's see, next weekend, uh, we have a big one here. This is the CQ Worldwide WPX Contest. Uh, this runs from 0 Zulu May 29th to uh, 2359 Zulu May 30th. Bands there are 160 meters through 10 meters, no work. Mode is CW, so this is the uh, CW version. And, of course, the prefix contests are for prefixes. So this is one you can collect collect all the prefixes, you know, the NE4s, the K5s, the W5s. They put the, uh, I should put our AF0 on the air. Yeah, AF0, that would probably be a good one. That's a, it's a definitely uh, would probably not be a very common prefix, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, if you got a unique call sign, this is the time to kind of pop up and uh, and be heard. Uh, CW, you can... Uh, you can definitely send slow code, so don't be uh, don't be uh, offended by sending slow code. They will slow down for you, and if they don't, use a you know a CW reader or something. <laughs> Keep up with them. FLDigi, FLDigi is a CW decoder and yes. sender. So yes, yeah, so FLDigi will work fine, and I, I've I've used that in a contest sending, and it it will send at about twenty to twenty five before the wheels start falling off the uh, audio. <laughs> <laughs> sending out unless of course you're using pipe wire then you're in trouble no <laughs> uh the other contest we have going on next weekend we have the day of yl's contest and this one is running from uh zero 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 one zulu just because they want to be different uh may 29th to 2359 zulu may 30th uh bands there are 80 40 20 10 and two meters so there you go, something different. Um, CW, single sideband, and digital, FT8 and RIDI are accepted, uh, are good for the modes. And, of course, this is the group that's in memory of uh, Fox 5 India Sierra Yankee, Karen Dubois. She developed this YL contest and did not ever see it to the end. We are now going to make this happen in her memory. So, uh, yeah, we mention this contest every year when this pops around. So uh, definitely uh, participate if you can. And let's see, state Kisa party challenge and worked out Kisa parties, nothing. So it's a quiet, uh, quiet couple weeks for uh, state Kisa parties. Well, everybody must be gearing up for whatever the next one is, which is probably something weird like Utah, but <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> who, who knows? All right. So moving on from contests in the amateur radio world, we've got some special event stations we want to mention. The first one is winner, winner, chicken dinner road. <laughs> uh, this is from May 22nd through the 23rd, 1600 to 1800 Zulu Daily, call sign Kilo 7 Sierra Whiskey India. Frequencies on or about 3.85, 7.25, and 146.52. Still wondering about doing contesting on the calling frequency. Uh, must be, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Maybe modes we're just obviously, off by 0.1 or something. <laughs> modes obviously phone. Uh, and this is the Southwest Idaho Amateur Radio Club will be commemorating the original chicken dinner that took place on Chicken Dinner Road about 100 years ago. 
There are different versions of the story available, but the most popular is that a local named Laura Lamb was famous in the area for her delicious fried chicken dinners, complete with rolls and fresh apple pie. She and her husband knew then Idaho State Governor Ben Ross, who told Lamb that if she could get the road graded and graveled, he would see to it that it was oiled. Governor Ross was good on his word, and the local kids started chanting chicken dinner every time the school bus turned down the road. An anonymous person painted the words Lamb's Chicken Dinner Avenue on the road, and these supposedly are the reasons the road got its name. A certificate is available, self-adjust stamped envelope at a dollar. If you want one of those, QSL. And all you have to do is send a self-addressed stamped envelope and your QSL card for that. No money required. Everyone is welcome and encouraged to visit the SWEARC, S-W-I-A-R-C, at the special event. We hope to hear you on the air. Link, of course, will be in the show notes. And we mention this one every year as well because it comes out of right here in Springfield, Missouri. It's the K0S Strange Antenna Challenge, operating May 28th through the 31st, 1800 through 2359 Zulu Daily. As I mentioned, it's K0S. Frequencies are about 3.900, 7.200, 14.300, 28.500. Ooh, 10 meters. We'll see. <laughs> hey, it has been open. It has been. It, has, it has been, yeah, and 6 too. So uh, anyone may operate as a satellite K0S station. Simply add stroke K0S to your call sign. Each satellite K0S station is responsible for their own QSLs. The purpose of the strange antenna challenge is to utilize antennas not made of normal antenna materials. In the past, fences, statues, vehicles, and bridges have all been pressed into service as strange antennas. This also simulates emergency operations following a natural disaster and is a fun and interesting way to promote your club. So there you go. AF0SS stroke K0S. Except <laughs> I'd, have to be, I'd have to be feeding my file cabinet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Feed the vulture. <laughs> I'm not sure what frequency a vulture is resonant on, but <laughs> yeah, I know they don't find re- out, right? <laughs> I know they don't respond well to laminated glass at 55 miles an hour. So, <laughs> uh, story for another time. Check out the Discord if you're interested in what we're talking about. And then finally, we have the D Day commemoration. This is going to be from June 3rd through the 16th, 1300 to 2200 Zulu Daily. Call sign Whiskey 2 Whiskey. Lots of different frequencies, modes, digitals, and everything available. Check out the link in the show notes for more information about where you can hear all of this. Amateur Radio Club of the National Electronics Museum, ARCNEM, will operate W2W in commemoration of the anniversary of D-Day and the role of electronics in World War II. Or, or we. <laughs> if the museum is closed, club members will work the special events from their home stations. Primary operation will be June 5th through June 7th, with additional operation possible during the June 3rd through 4th and 8 through 16th periods as operator availability permits. Operation on 80 meters, additional bands and digital modes possible during the event. Frequencies will, of course, be plus or minus according to QRM. QSL and certificates are available via self-addressed stamped envelope. Link, of course, will be in the show notes for more information. And that's it for that. Announcements. I don't have any. Anyone have any announcements? Well, if this gets up tomorrow morning... Which it will. Okay, so there we go. It'll be... uh... There is the Hamvention uh, forums uh, uh, Zoom call that will be going on tomorrow or today, I guess, as you listen to this. <laughs> and uh, I, I attended the uh, Contest University one today where they did give out four, uh, four ICOM radios, uh, IC705, two IC7300s, and an IC7610. And I hear that there are radios being given out tomorrow as well as prizes for people that actually show up and attend the Zoom call 
So uh, if you're interested, the uh, the registration details are on the Hamvention website, and you can uh, go check that out. So there you go. All right. Very good. At least that's something to fill that space. <laughs> so I just put something in to fill the space of the Linux and the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge, and it has to do with the last deep dive we did. Maybe check out WFView if you have a mind and an ICOM radio. Uh, as it was discussed in the deep dive, there will be other radios that will be supported at some time in the future, but this is all related to ICOMs currently, uh, mostly newer ones, but some older ones. But uh, if you have one of those radi radios, maybe check out WFView, and a link to WFView is in the deep dive episode, but I'll put it back here in this episode too as well if you want to check out that software. And if you haven't listened to the deep dive yet, you should definitely go back and check that out. So moving on, we have this weekend in open source, and Bill is going to tell us about a distro that you could try that's not Fedora. <laughs> not Fedora, <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, GNU GUIX, or Gu GNU GUIX uh, 1.3.0. So uh, what is it? GNU GUIX is a transactional package manager and an advanced distribution of the GNU system that respects user freedom. Uh, GUIX can be used on top of any system running the herd or the Linux kernel, and it can be used as a standalone operating system distribution for an i686, x86-64 architecture, ARM v7, uh, the other Pi thing, AARch64 <laughs> and Power9 <laughs> machines, because everybody wants to run a Power9 machine. In addition to standard package management features, GUIC supports transactional upgrades and rollbacks, uh, unprivileged package management, per-user profiles, and garbage collection. Uh, just in case your garbage man doesn't show up, this apparently can take care of that. Uh, when used as a standalone GNU Linux distribution, GUIX offers a declarative, stateless approach to operating system configuration management. GUIX is highly customizable and hackable through Guile programming interfaces and extensions to the scheme language. Uh, from the uh, 5.11 release notes, uh, the, this release uh, comes with uh, ISO 9660 install images, a virtual machine image, and with tarballs to install the package manager on top of your existing GNU or GNU Linux distro, either from source or from binaries. GUIX users can update it by running GUIX pull. It's been almost six months since the last release, during which 212 people contributed code and packages, and a number of people contributed to other important task code review. Uh, system administration, uh, translation, website updates, Outreachy mentoring, outreachy mentoring, that's kind of cute, <laughs> and more. <laughs> uh, there's been more than 8,300 commits in that time frame. So, yeah, this is all stable. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty, probably okay. So, yeah, check out uh, GNU GUIX. It's definitely one I haven't uh, heard of, but I saw it in a list of uh, 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 of distros sort of growing at over at DistroWatch. So uh, I always dig there if I'm looking for random stuff and stuff I haven't heard of. And I look at that top 50 list <laughs> and this was definitely in there somewhere. All right. Very cool. That's, I don't know that we've mentioned that one before GUIX. So I might have to check that one out. I probably need to try out a few other distributions just to get my hand back in that game and see what else is out there. I've been definitely stuck on Debian and Ubuntu of late and really not branched out or, or tried anything new. So time to change that but in the meantime while i'm getting ready to install guix on my computer we'll bring cheryl in here who talks about our open source events that are coming up in the next so you know few weeks anyway okay 
So our first one is OpenJS World 2021. It is June 2nd. It is online and it is free. And there's a question mark beside that. I'm not sure who put this information. I, I put that in for, and I uh, the only reason I put a question mark in there is because I couldn't find the answer to the question if it's free or not. I I gather that it is because I didn't see anything to the contrary. But it may not be. It may not be. Gotcha. Okay, so the information on the uh, the event is join JavaScript professionals, including developers, software engineers, developer advocates, and business leaders at the OpenJS Virtual Global Global Conference. Connect, learn, and collaborate with community members from projects including AMP, Dojo, Electron, and Node.js. Our next one is StackConf, the Open Source Infrastructure Conference. It's June 15th through the 17th. It's online. It's free. And the information is get to know innovative solutions in the spectrum of container, hybrid, and cloud technologies and learn what will shape the future of open source infrastructures. Follow the steamed present, excuse me, streamed presentations of renowned experts and ask your questions directly via live chat. Network with participants from all over the world. And the last one is Open Source World East. It is June 22nd through the 25th. It is in Miami, Florida, and the cost is anywhere from free to $2,399 US. And the information for that is open source, source enthusiasts from all over the world will be at Open Source World. Be there as the community gathers to share their open source passion. Hear the latest open source news and project updates. Gain access to in-depth technical sessions. Participate in networking opportunities. Meet potential collaborators and review and discuss detailed case studies of open source projects. Discover how open source, the world's most widely used open source telephony software, can save you money and empower you to create more flexible telephony solutions. And more information for all these is going to be in the show notes. Yes, it is, because I see that there are links there, because I put them there. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I even, really funny you say telephony, it's, especially with telephony. works for, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't it be telephony? I don't say telephony. Well, I said it. Yeah. That's what Bill's saying. Yeah. yeah telephony. Yeah. yeah, I said telephony. It's telephony. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> you just put the wrong syllable in the wrong place. Or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so. okay. Bill said Wizzy Wysig. So, yeah, Wizzy Wig. Wizzy Wig. Wizzy Wig. Someone spelled it with a Z the other day at work, and I had to correct it in Confluence. <laughs> so I was like, I feel so proud of myself. <laughs> At least I didn't use a Z. <laughs> no, I just threw in an extra syllable and a wrong yeah, correct pronunciation. Yeah, yeah Wisey Wisey. Yeah, that's Wisey Wisey. Yeah, It could be Wisey Wisey for all I know. I just grew up with it being WYSIWYG, so that's you know it is what it is. Whatever. Anyway, so moving on, we have an open source challenge, which I'm just going to plug in the amateur radio challenge because it's the same exact thing. So just give WFView a try if you can, if you're using ICOM hardware. And uh, if you're not, wait for WFView to be available for whatever you're using or buy an ICOM. There you go. <laughs> yeah, plus, uh, you know, it, even just try uh, try getting it up and running, especially if you don't have an Ubuntu-based or Debian-based system where you have to kind of make your own instructions to get it running. Uh, also check out the uh, binary package to uh, see what you need to, and what's missing in the build. Uh, any of that stuff can also help them um, build the software package. So uh, it works for many users, just like we talked about in the deep dive. All right. Very good. 
Thanks for that. That's that's actually nice to flesh that out a little bit. So cool. So now we've come down to the part of the show that everybody actually enjoys, including us, which is hedonism. Let's get into it. And we always start hedonism off on the weekender with Cheryl's Recipe Corner. And of course, this weekender will be no different. So what do we have tonight that we can all enjoy food wise? Okay, so tonight I picked my recipe for the crispy, creamy chicken cordon bleu. Russ is a huge fan of cordon bleu. I'm still kind of on the fence about it, but I don't like my food mixed, nor do I like it touching on my plate. Holiday dinners make that very interesting. So anyway, I really liked this recipe. I found it a couple of months ago, and I think the reason why I liked it so much is it had a Dijon sauce with it. Um... The recipe that I have actually calls for deep frying the chicken, but we are huge fans of using our air fryer and it came out great done in the air fryer. So for this, you need some boneless, skinless chicken breast, salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, some Swiss cheese, some ham, vegetable oil or peanut oil if you're going to fry it, uh, some flour, some eggs beaten, and some panko breadcrumbs. And for the Dijon sauce, you need some butter, some garlic, some flour, some milk, some Dijon mustard, some Parmesan cheese, and some salt and pepper. And, of course, the instructions will be in the show notes, along with the recipe, of course. So, but it was actually, I thought it was really good. I think Russ did as well. I don't, I don't think I've met a cordon bleu I don't like. I mean, what's did not to like? Did you like it with I the mean, Dijon sauce? I, uh, yes. No, no, okay. no. no, no. Again, yes, it's just, it's not what I was used to, so. Right. But, I mean, yeah, it was good, for sure. Okay. I mean, what's not to like about chicken and cheese and ham and sauce and, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's all good. Got Did all the right ingredients, came out right? O- right. Did you think it came out okay done in the air fryer? Oh, yeah, it came out fantastic. That, that like, everything we've done in the air fryer that I can think of, I mean, every once in a while there's a miss when it comes to, like, reheating something. But as far as stuff that's cooked in it, it always comes out great. Right. Yeah, yeah and just, it saves uh, on oil. I was just going to say, I just uh, I realized on my uh, my new uh, oven range thing that we've got, it has an air fryer built in. Interesting. <laughs> so it's like a huge air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it has, the basket is as wide as the, the, the oven that you put in. So you in can air fry two turduckins at once. Yeah, you could air fry some serious stuff. Uh, we, of course, I've only done like uh, uh, tater tots in it so far. <laughs> but, I like, yeah, man, you could do picture. like a, a pound or two of uh, tater tots in there at once. So I like to see amazing. like one tiny little uh, pan of tater tots in this giant oven. <laughs> well, we, we filled the whole basket. You know, it was, it was a serious load of tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see like one little lone tater tot sitting there going, wow, it's big in here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of breathing room. <laughs> Is yeah, it good? Yeah, hot oven does everything. I just, uh, <laughs> I just connected it to my phone today. So now I can like uh, turn it on from here. That's great. <laughs> oh, nice. you're getting into the smart home. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I've avoided it for so long, but I'm like, oh, I got a Samsung phone. I already got the app installed. Let me see. Oh, look at that. It says, hey, you have a have an oven sitting right next to you. <laughs> Do you want to add this to your thing? I'm like, okay, fine. Let's see sure. what this looks like. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my only connected device is my oven. So, hack my house and turn my oven on. It's not gas, so you can't kill me, really. So. Right. <laughs> And just, all we can people. do is uh, air fry some 
some nuggets or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, air fry some uh, tater tots. Tater tots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of my friends have the um, the I guess it's like the Bluetooth or whatever crock pots. Oh, yeah. And they actually like it because they can actually turn it on from the laundry room or their desk at work or whatever. It's oh, like, okay. okay, yeah, so... Turn it on from the laundry room. That sounds like people who text because they they can't wait for the five-minute drive to be over before they <laughs> pull out their cell phone, but okay. Yeah, here it's, I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, we want a frozen pizza. Okay, let me turn on the oven. I'm preheated. That's <laughs> <laughs> only really good if you can have like a robot actually put the oven, you know, put the pizza into the oven because all, you know, turning the oven on is not really going to help you. <laughs> no, no, no. But anyway, so you got a cocktail you want to talk about, right? Yes, I do. And the cocktail I picked out for this week is called the Miami Vice. And since we're creeping up on summer, it's time for summertime cocktails. This is a mix between a pina colada and a strawberry daiquiri. Plus, it was named after one of my favorite 80s TV programs. And Don Johnson, also known as Sonny Crockett on the show, is from a town that's about 20 miles away. So, and that, uh, for the drink, it needs white rum, pina colada mix, ice, some more white rum, some strawberry daiquiri mix, some more ice, some strawberries, some pineapple leaves, strawberries, whatever, as your garnish. So, Why does it have these ingredients twice? Because you mix up the, the rum and the pina colada mix and the ice and the rum and the daiquiri mix and the ice, and then you dump it together. Oh, I see. Makes perfect sense. You don't want right. to bruise the... Uh... The, the, the smaller portion of white rum, you know. That's a, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you if in the in the instructions it says mix together three ounces of rum, ten ounces of pina colada mix, and two to three cups of ice. Um, pour that into a pitcher. Then you do two ounces of rum, eight ounces of strawberry daiquiri mix, some strawberries, some ice. Pour that into a pitcher, and then dump both of them into your glass at the same time. So it it makes a kind of a modge podge of you know the pina colada strawberry in the glass. So oh, the, so you the, got two the two daiquiri mix. You actually uh, throw in a blender though, right? Oh, okay. So that's a difference. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds interesting. We we don't ever do frozen drinks like that. So no, and we have a really nice mixer. Our blender sitting in there on the cabinet that would probably do great for frozen drinks. So. Yeah, the only the only thing that annoys me about that blender is that you cannot remove the blades. It seems like the dumbest. I mean, I kind of understand stand why. It, it's a Pamper Chef blender. It has a self cleaning function. So and it's also a cooking blender. It has it. Uh, it has a heat. You can make it. soup and stuff in it. Yeah. Oh, so. interesting. So it's yeah. So I I kind of get why it's the way it is. It's just annoying. <laughs> you know, I I actually made. Um, the garlic soup that we have at uh, Zydeco's that K9 KJN owns uh, in the blender, and it came out magnificent. Yeah, which is really cool because you put the ingredients in, and then it has a cycle, and the cycle will like operate the blender at certain periods, and then will also heat the soup. So when it's when it's actually done and blended, it's actually cooked too, just right in the blender. So. Yeah, you can so make a step, right? Having to pour right. it well, in yeah. the blender and then burn yeah, yourself. Yeah, you just right. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the the thing is with with the garlic soup is it requires like um stale french bread essentially ground up into breadcrumbs to thicken the soup. 
Um, so I was telling Hutch about the, the Pampered Chef blender. He's like, you know, I, I think that would work okay. You know, so I decided one night to just, just wing it. And yeah, it came out great. Um, another thing that I've done with, well, I've not specifically done with it, but others have made like jellies and stuff because it, it cooks the jelly and everything all in with the, the sure gel or whatever you need to put in it. So they just pull it out, throw it in some jars and stick it in the fridge because it, it's so hot when you put it in there, it automatically seals the jars. So like, all right, yeah, but we've, yeah, and we can use it to make it like a, a blizzard or something like that takes about seven seconds because the blender is so powerful. That's if you do it any longer than that, it basically turns it into a milkshake. So, because, <laughs> because we did that one night too. So, <laughs> and I did like, the, what was it? The cookie dough that you just take the cookie dough out of the, you know, the Toll House cookie dough tub and throw it in with some vanilla ice cream, hit the thing for eight seconds, and you have a cookie dough blizzard. It's really good. Yeah. Although one thing we have noticed with making things with McDonald's for the longest time had Rollo or Rollo McFlurries. I'm not exactly sure what they did with theirs. They were really good. Ours basically come out that the Rollos are frozen and they're like <laughs> chewing on rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it would be nice to know what McDonald's does to get theirs to be actually edible. Because when we did it, like, like she said, I mean, they literally turned into boulders in the ice cream and they were only in it for like, you know, 10 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yet they were exactly frozen happened? solid. Yeah. <laughs> Some cold ice cream. Yeah. Or something. So. But, of course, yeah, they're doing it with soft serve, so it's a little different. Well, that's well, true. that's true. So maybe we should get some soft serve soft mix serve. and yeah, Whip, or make yeah. some make some art, make our own ice cream and get it to the soft serve point, and then use that. So, well, if you're going to do that, though, you can't use a blender. You'd have to actually use a uh, a blizzard uh, thing, like you a know. shake maker yeah, type shake. thing. Yeah. But anyway. Well, that was a long discussion about a, a cocktail. About a cocktail, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So now is my drink corner, which is going to be far less interesting, I'm sure. Uh, what I have tonight is Very Old Barton, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, very Old Barton, which is owned by Sazerac Company now, is produced in Bardstown, Kentucky. Several, you need to mute. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there are several expressions of very old Barton, including an 80 proof, an 86 proof, and a 90 proof. But the one I'm talking about tonight is 100 proof. It used to be bottled in bond. It's not anymore. There is some suspicion that it might be bottled in bond again at some point, but it is not now. It used to have a six-year age statement. It no longer has that as well. That might also come back at some point. On the bigger bottles, it still shows a six on the label, but it's not six-year age. I mean, it is six-year age. It's four to six. There's weird rules, and I think I've gone over this in other drink corners about when bourbon has to have an age statement and when it can't. I'm not going to go into all that again. Detail, it's, it's, detail. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. But this whiskey is at least four years old and could be as old as six, uh, which is not bad because this is a really, really cheap whiskey. Uh, the mash bill on it is 75% corn, 15% rye, 10% malted barley. I'm taking somebody else's word for that, so hopefully it's correct. Uh, proof on it, as I said, is 100 proof, 50% ABV. comes from Bardstown, Kentucky. It's a very solid honey color. Like when you go get like real honey from the store and you're looking at a jar of real honey, this is exactly the same color. So if you know what honey looks like, actual honey, not the fake stuff, 
then you know what color this is. Um, it's a little on the lighter side, and when you first drink it, because of that hundred proof, it's a little bit, it's a little bit acetony. It's a little bit heavy on the alcohol, but a couple of drams, and that goes right away. And considering this is basically bottom shelf stuff, that's uh, to be expected, I guess, to a certain extent. Uh, the nose is actually pretty delightful, considering it's uh, a cheap whiskey. Uh, you get apple, caramel, some light fruit notes, like the kind of fruit you would get in a fruit punch, like a light sweet fruit, not a citrus or dark cherry or anything like that. A little bit of unripe banana, like green bananas, and some medicinal cherry on the nose, but it's not particularly unpleasant. It's actually quite a nice nose and uh, actually has a bit of character uh, for a you know bottom shelf whiskey. Uh, the taste on it is pretty good, too. Uh, like I said, the first kind of snort off the top, you're going to get a pretty heavy dose of alcohol. But once you get past that, once you're sort of acclimated to it after a few seconds, you get some good stuff like some red apple peel, oak tannin, burnt sugar, toasted corn, and cherry. And the cherry actually becomes more of a sweeter cherry than the medicinal that's on the nose. And as you drink it, the the finish kind of fades away all of those sweeter flavors and you're left with a sort of dry finish with a little bit of a herbal tanniny barrely note and you can sort of get a sense of the vague sweetness in there um, but then all you have to do is go back to taste it again and all of those sort of fruit sweet notes come back to it so overall this is pretty nice for a bottle that costs you i think i've seen it as low as 16 dollars for a fifth of it at like total wine and anywhere upwards of 25 depending on where you are and where you're buying it from um but i actually quite like this and uh, I've, I've only seen it in a couple of places so i don't know how available it is around the country but for what you're paying for it for the 20 dollar, maybe slightly less uh tag you can do a lot worse and honestly <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to give this like a 89 I don't, I don't think there's any reason to justify it being in the 90s, but it's definitely high 80s for sure, especially at the price point. So solid 89 on uh, the old Barton Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So there you go. Yummy. And uh, <laughs> you're, you're into the dry fly again. Yeah. You, yep, luck, you lucky SOB. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, another bottle of the, the dry fly uh, 120 proof uh, wheat uh, cast strength uh, whiskey from uh, Washington. Which I'll be bringing you a bottle if I don't forget. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you can try it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I, I just fashioned an, an old fashioned out of it, and uh, it tastes great. It's uh, it's really interesting. I, I I just I I drank it straight the last time I had a bottle, and I liked it. Uh, this time I was like, oh, I'm gonna just try mixing it and just trying to see how it does as like a as a general mixer, and it really uh it gives a it just it just gives like a different flair to uh to drinks, even just, you know, simply adding, you know, Diet Coke or Coke or something like that in it. It's, uh, it's just a, just a, definitely a different, uh, a different thing. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's still good. I like it. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to, uh, have you come down here and so I can test it. It sounds, I mean, the way you've described it, it sounds fantastic. So I've been looking forward to it since the first time you bought a bottle, which was like three months ago or something. Yeah. Yep. Definitely looking forward to it. Cool. So check out Dry Fly if that's something that you can get. I don't know what kind of distribution they have other than the states of uh, Washington, Idaho, and Montana, but presumably you can get it somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. 
All right, so that is it. We've come down through all the amateur radio and open source topics and slid all the way through like a slip and slide into the hedonism and then back out the other side uh, straight into the grassy berm with hopefully only minor scrapes and bruises. And uh, so let's uh, go ahead and mention the folks who are with us live in the chat room tonight. We had Don, KC9ZMY, The Menace, Ted, WA0ER. I made it sound like Ted was The Menace. Okay. Ted was The Menace, yeah. <laughs> Dennis The Menace, no. <laughs> so it's The Menace, pause, Ted, WA0EIR, <laughs> Tony, K4XSS, Steve at K7HBT, and Darren, VK60K. So thanks, everybody, for being here and listening to the show live and being a part of the program, whether you're a supporter or just a listener and everybody who joins our social media platforms and uh, just interacts with the show, and especially those who give us voicemail, one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. We don't say that often enough. Please give us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Just know that we'll put you on the air unless you tell us not to, and then we won't. So with that, we have come down to the end of the 72nd Weekender, episode number 413 of Linux in the Hamshack. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Have a great couple of weeks. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke Discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine oh nine LHS show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs> <laughs>